Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Romantic Truth Podcast. Please be advised that the content of this show is for mature audiences 18 and over due to the topics discussed. Please feel free to follow and like Romantic Truth on Facebook at facebook.com slash romantic truth. You may also listen to the podcast on anchor.fm slash romantic truth. Now, here is your host Jawson. Hi everyone, Johnson with you here, Romantic Truth, Las Vegas, October 6, 2021, and the time now is a good 1.12 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Now, there's a question that was asked of me. What are my thoughts on a person who deliberately gets into a relationship when they just want to feel emotionally secure now this is an ambiguous question because the motivation is what I would look at first is it because they feel as though it's a situation where they must be with someone in order to feel whole like a codependency type thing or is it something where a person just has to be in a relationship in order to feel as though they can go forward as long as they have someone beside them. Now, a lot of times, people will do this just for the sake of saying, I have a boyfriend or I have a girlfriend. Not because they love them so much, but just because that person is like a social placeholder. So, they will have that person in their lives and they may not really even care to know them that well. So they may not know what that person's favorite color is. They may not know what their hobbies or interests are. It could be a situation where they may not even care. But the one thing that they want to do is just to have that person there. Now, you may see them not display any PDAs when they're together, not holding hands, not hugging. They're walking beside each other like two strangers who seem to get along as friends. Believe it or not, there are some people who like those types of arrangements. They don't want intimacy. They just want to have someone with them. Now, the only thing is, they don't want that person to be encumbered by another relationship. So they want a sense of loyalty, exclusivity, and they want the relationship pretty much to stay there. They don't want it to advance or grow into anything else. Now, again, you don't know what the motivations are, but some of you may find yourselves in a relationship with a person like this. They will enjoy going out, doing different things with you, but what they don't want to do is to get serious or to get to get the relationship to a point of having feelings. 
And this can send mixed messages, especially to men, ladies, because some of you do this. And they're under the impression a lot of times that maybe she's into me, maybe she's not. I don't know. I'm trying to find out. And so they rack their brains trying to figure out exactly what to make of the relationship. And even when they ask the woman, she says, well, let's not ruin everything. Let's just keep everything the way it is right now. Everything is fine. But it's fine for that person, but not for the guy. Now, with this contentment that she has, she feels as though she has creative license also to demand more of his time and also to get him to a point where he's still interested in her but she's not really playing a game with him but she really is at that point where she doesn't want a relationship even though she's going through the process of acting like she wants one and this could stem from her being hurt in a past relationship her just seeing him more as a friend that's flattened out but the problem is is that from the guy's perspective he doesn't know where he stands with her and even when he asks her she doesn't want to come out and say it now some people have written me about this particular situation that they've experienced both men and women and this is when you have to look at detachment a situation that I dealt with years ago and with that what happens is not that you don't value that person it's not that you don't like that person or even in some way love that person usually what will happen is these people will never tell you they love you they'll say they care about you and no matter what they have no intentions of being with you intimately but they want to kind of take that space up and expand it a bit where they're actually getting a 360 view of you as a person. Now, the problem with many of these folks, and this is where I differed from a lot of the other people because they will become threatened when they start expressing interest in other people. I wouldn't really wait around that long. I would just go ahead and drop it relationship will be done but a lot of them would keep this going and then when that other party for instance decides to get with someone or show an interest in someone else then they rear up and they try to become possessive however by the same light if they were to go and find someone else interesting they would expect to have that distance at their advantage by saying well We're just friends. But the person doesn't want to come out and put this person in the friend zone because they know if they do, they have now cut their own throat with that individual. They don't want to do that. But they want to keep it in that space where it has the potential of going into a relationship at any time, but it's not there yet. This is a complicated situation that some people grapple with, especially guys. Because some women do it for the attention. Others do it because they really don't want a relationship. They want this friend to talk to. 
And ladies, let me tell you something, especially if you're over 40. If you're looking for a companion, especially if you're 45 or so, this is one of the things that men fear. And this is the reason why we make a decision on it at that point. So we're not going to sit there and wait and try to figure out what's going on with you. If we can't figure it out shortly or quickly, we're not hanging around for three or four weeks. You can forget that. And there are some of you that really don't care if, you know, it materializes or not. You go on because you're apathetic. You may be at a point where you're indifferent. You don't care. And like I said, no one really knows what the predication of this disposition is. It could be from everything from being hurt in a relationship to just not wanting to be with anyone. And one thing you will find, both men and women, there are a high percentage of people on dating sites with profiles who interact with people that are not looking for a relationship. They're not really looking to date. They're looking to have friends. They're looking to have pen pals, entertainers, you name it. And for some, this is actually their hobby. And I know that's probably pissing some people off. But they may do this just for recreational purposes. Nothing else. The way some people approach it, well, I never meet these people, so I can say whatever I want, do whatever I want, be as provocative as I want. Because we're on this dating site. I'm not leaving it. I'm going to stay right here. I'm not going to WhatsApp. I'm not going to his cell phone number. He's not going to get my number. We're going to keep it here. And I'm just going to keep going on with the same drone of whatever. And we'll talk about all of these other things, but I'll never get to a point of turning that corner for a relationship. Now, on their profile, they could very well say that they're looking for a long-term relationship, short-term relationship, hookup, or whatever. A lot of times they do that just to draw the attention of a larger swath of people because it's amusement and entertainment for them. And that's their actual social interaction in some cases. So they go to work the next day. They're interacting with people. But they let their hair down when they're behind the keyboard or on their cell phone or on their tablets. But when they're at work, they're strictly about business. Now, some of these folks have other underlying problems and what I'm getting at in this particular segment is many of you will waste your time with these types of individuals because the way they look at it if they lose you, no big deal they got like 40 other people to talk to but this is all they want to do, this is as far as it goes and they're experimenting on certain concepts as far as intercommunications with people so that when they do decide to go out and go on dates, it probably will not be with anyone that they've already met online. 
because you have some people that are phobic about online dating in general. They don't mind the interaction, but when it comes down to meeting someone, they may have this notion that those people are beneath me. I'm not desperate. Remember that some of you in your 40s and 50s, when people first started the online dating thing, it was associated with desperation. Now, it's a necessity to meet someone because nine times out of 10, people are busy. And to meet someone in a chance meeting now, it's kind of rare. And the reason being, people are more focused on keeping their distance from other people because of COVID. And many of them are trying to still make ends meet. Even though there are an abundance of jobs out there, a lot of people are not concerned about those anymore. I can't tell you how many people have now reverted to content creation as their new source of income. And they're going out and they're basically taking their lives and using their lives as a means in order to make ends meet. Now, this works for some, doesn't work for others, depending on the likes, the popularity, how outrageous you could possibly be to get those people to follow you and that kind of thing. Now, here's the thing with that type of approach. Take press that go on social media and they're a star. And what happens, they get sponsored. So the more content they create, the more goodies they may get. A t-shirt here, a hat here. Then eventually they might get 40 or 50 bucks, depending. And they try to keep doing it and keep doing it until they run out of material and then it becomes more of them improvising, creating stuff. Because then it becomes about the show. In other words, they take their lives and they put it out there. And no matter how many people that may show interest in them, they look at those people as unworthy. This is not uncommon. And this is a dynamic where some of these people are actually using social media for therapy. There was one woman in particular on TikTok that I follow, and it's really pathetic in the sense that she's exposed herself in a way where most men would never want to date her. And what happens is you can overexpose yourself on social media and that can work against you and then you become a caricature to many of these people and when that occurs you'll never be able to redress that or get that right again now you're going to always have your followers and your underlings and the people that want to be with you because you got the likes and all that stuff you will get those folks but then again you have to challenge yourself and ask yourself, okay, since I got those folks, what do I do now? Am I going to date them? 
Do I just want them as fans, admirers, and followers? But what it does for you more than anything, people who do this, it builds their self-esteem. And a lot of people who have low self-esteem, they will do this. They want to be the star. They want to stand out. They want to be the big show. They want to be it. They want to make sure that everything is branded with their name on it. And that's the way it goes. So, if you wind up with someone like this in a relationship, just understand one thing. There is something going on, and it's very difficult to put your finger on it until they communicate with you. And that's one thing that these folks have an issue doing. Don't waste your time. I'm telling you, hanging around too long with people like this, it's not a good thing. More in a moment. ever to happen to me, I would want you to get remarried. Okay. Mm. I was a little fast. Oh, I, ju- I just want to make you happy. Okay. Any idea of who you would Vicky marry? Conroy, probably. She works in my office. She's very organized. The kids love her. Are you guys talking about Vicky? Yeah. Mom, she's awesome. <laughs> just so you know, if something were to happen to me, I, I Something's won't... gonna happen to you, Now, another question that came up about women dating men over 50. A listener writes, I just want to know, is it true that men over 50 are more difficult to date than any other segment, 50 plus? It is true to a large degree. And believe it or not, some women in this category, in this age range, are difficult to date too. See, the problem is, at this point in life, you have a lot of experiences, whether it's in the same marriage, same relationship, or a plethora of relationships like I've been in in the past. And so what happens then, you can recognize BS a lot quicker than other people may be able to. Because what may be new to some people who are younger is something we have seen before. Many of the things I talk about on this show are things that many of you younger folks haven't experienced and may have yet to experience. So we can kind of see through many of the things that are put before us. So, for instance, we'll say a 55-year-old woman is being approached by a 28-year-old guy as an example. Well, here's the thing. That 55-year-old woman more than likely already has her life established. She's probably already got her career done. She's probably been married. She's divorced. She has kids his age, more than likely. And that's going to be the first filtering factor for her 
Because the thing is, is this. If she grew up in a marriage or relationship or matured in it, where she was able to hit those milestones that she wanted to hit with her spouse while she was in it, she's probably had some pleasant experience. She's probably established her career, got her kids off on the best foot to go to college or whatever. So she's at this point where she would view you as a child coming in or someone not necessarily to take away from you, but someone where she would feel as though she'd probably have to take you in and treat you like one of her kids. And she's not looking for that. Now, there's some women who are, who want to get a guy from the ground up and train him the way she would want him to be. But even if she does that, she knows that there is going to be an end to that relationship at some point, sooner than later, as she sees it. So what she may not do is get serious with you emotionally because she knows that you still have a longer period to live than she may have. And as she gets older, she realizes that she may not be so attractive to you anymore, even though you love her. And so she's realistic. She's grounded. But more than likely, this is the reason why a lot of times it's harder for younger men to find women with a large age gap because of that. Because the women are a little bit more responsible socially in this regard because society really comes down on them for being with a younger man at that age, especially if he's that young. Even the men will look at her kind of cross-eyed in that regard. Now, women are harder on other women than men are harder on women. That's just the way it is. So, she's considering all those factors. How would she introduce you to her peer group? How would she be able to bring you in where you would not be an embarrassment to her? And she would look at the fact that she would have the stigma of robbing the cradle, of being with someone that hasn't developed yet. All of these things would come into play. Criticism, disassociation by certain friends, and she'd only have a certain core of friends. You know, when I tell you, When it comes to exotic relationships, this is the risk you bear. Isolation, that's going to be one thing. So, the way she would look at it from the standpoint, she would probably, if anything, wind up being a mentor to a younger man. Now, let's go and look at the older guy. The older guy knows that if he gets with a younger woman, she's going to use her physical characteristics and features as leverage. He understands this. But the one thing that he's not going to do, he's not going to put up with a lot of BS, just like the woman in the same age category. But see, here's the thing. That same woman that's 55, if she met a guy like me, she has certain expectations of a guy like me because of my age in comparison to her. So she's going to judge me differently and more harshly than she would the younger guy because she's not expecting him to have acquisitions and those kind of things. With an older guy, she's going to be expecting that. Now, for the older guy with the younger woman, 
he's not going to be expecting her to acquire too much. So he would be looking at her as a project as well, in the sense that he would have to invest in her, get her education. He would have to provide an environment for her. Whereas the 55-year-old woman probably already has her home paid off. And so therefore, she is not in a situation where she's in a financial need. That man could be in that same situation where he doesn't necessarily need a woman to take care of him. So, with you coming in as the younger woman, then what he's dealing with at that point is whether or not you're worth the investment in the time. See, coming in, and I've had women tell me this, well, you know, I could have your babies and all that, big deal. I can get that all the way up to a 45-year-old woman. That is, that's nothing impressive. So, in that respect, a lot of them will think that because they're fine and because they can have children, that's enough. Well, for some guys, it is. And what they'll do, they'll reach in their wallet and they'll give them the best of life. They'll buy them exotic things. They'll buy them the latest iPhone and those kind of things in order to appease them. But what they would still have to look at is, and this is where older men make a mistake with younger women, they start to take more of a paternalistic role like a father as opposed to a boyfriend or even husband. And this is one fear that older women have with younger men. They don't want to be the mama. And the one thing they don't want to do is to wind up locking horns with this man's mother or family members over him because of his age. Same thing with guys. You know, I'll give you an example. The lady who I met at Starbucks who was 18 who tried to come on to me. I let her know up front, hey, you're too young. (laughs) You know, and this was years ago. I was like, you know, you need to really focus on your books and everything. She's like, well, I'm going to UNLV. I'm doing this. I'm doing that. That's great. And what she was trying to do was look for affirmation outside of her family. She wanted to be labeled a grown-up. She had her own apartment, she had her own job, had her own car, and she was going to UNLV. I was happy for her, and I told her, why mess that up in a relationship? Keep that going. We became good friends. And then she wanted me to meet her parents. I was older than both her mother and her father. And after they realized I had no intentions of being with the daughter as far as romantically or intimately they started to give a sigh of relief this young lady evolved now she's graduated from UNLV and ready to go into the master's program graduate school I encouraged her to do so do it while you're young don't wait till you get older you have plenty of time to get married have a family and all of that but get the legwork out so you could have your career established, so you go have your children, or you get married, have your children, and then resume your life. So you won't feel as though you missed out once you're inside of a marriage. 
Now, what's interesting was that I was speaking with her parents. And they had been trying to tell her to stay in school. And she had a pension for older men. And one thing I was explaining to her was that older men are not going to stop being manufactured. They'll be on this planet until the day we're gone. I said, you need to focus on your life and what you're planning on doing to get yourself together for you. And this influence that she had received was from her friends, her peers, who were dating older men. And some of them, many of them, stopped by the wayside to have children, and now they're living with a guy, they have kids, but they have no careers, and they have no future. Now they're a mom. And I told her the resentment they will have is later on in life, after those kids are grown and gone, and they realize that, okay, that purpose is done. Now what do I do? Where do I go? You have a starting point after your kids leave and go to college. You can still continue on with your career. You still have something that will preoccupy your time that's not pre-manufactured. You can still go on vacations. You can still go on trips. You can still do all these things with your partner. So your life doesn't start at zero. So you're starting at 18, where she will probably wind up starting, her friend, at maybe 45 or 48 years of age. So that puts you ahead of the game. So you're not one of these women walking around talking about a bucket list in your 50s and 60s. If you guys divorce or if the relationship doesn't pan out. You're one of these people that lived in tandem as you went along so you didn't miss out along the way and you don't have that remorse, that resentment that you've thrown away time. And you could focus and tell someone comprehensively the marriage didn't work out because we were incompatible. Instead of the marriage didn't work out because I put up with him for 15, 20 years and it was hell and blah, 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 blah. So what does that mean? That means that does not give you the legacy cost of a bad experience that will roll over into your future. And that puts you in a better state of mind. But of course, you have people that have exceptions and excuses. And now she's beginning to see how she has now left many of her friends in the context of they're criticizing her for going on to college by telling her, well, you know, I don't know why you're going back to school. You're not going to make any money. And yet, many of them have menial jobs. Some of them are not working. Some of them are on the county or on the state. Envy. And I was explaining to her throughout the years I've known her that you're going to outgrow people along the way. And I told her at some point you're going to outgrow me as a friend. And that's to be expected. And you will have to go on and evolve. 
And that's what happens. Now, a lot of times people are criticized for not having friends. Now, if the person has a caustic personality, that's understandable why they don't have people around them. But you also have to remember you could be a good person and have people around you with bad intentions. And if you're no benefit to them, they walk away from you until you are a benefit to them. You think I'm lying about that? Think about the person in San Luis Obispo, California, who won the California, who won the Powerball, $700 million. I'm sure there are some people that hadn't talked to him in a long time that's trying to get in touch with him now. That's the way it goes. That's a human dynamic. Oh, this person will be of some benefit to me. Let me call them up after 10, 15 years to see how they're doing. We see this dynamic when people die in the family. And that person that passed away never got a phone call from family members, but they made a damn sure point to show up to see what happened with the life insurance money and to see what's going to happen with the distribution of the will. It's sad to say, but we have people with that mindset. And see, as you get older, you realize the dynamics of individuals' behavior, certain patterns. And you're going to always have that X factor because there's going to always be a nuance somewhere along the line. But for the most part, the expectations are kind of set. And that's one of the things that many younger people are disadvantaged with when they try to deal with an older person. Because even though you think it's new, and just because they've changed the terminology of it, you think, wow, you know, this is the greatest thing. And then you're thinking you've got something going on. And then you realize, hmm, you're with a person who's been there, done that, seen that. And once it's explained to you, and you realize it, and you realize that, oh, well, historically, this has already happened. So this is not the first time this has occurred. Or this is not the first time that this has happened culturally. And it could be anything. It could be music. It could be a celebrity. You name it. See, the only thing that's introduced that's new is technology. Instead of having to do everything manually like we had to do in the past, now we can do everything electronically. That's the only difference. Everything else is still falling into the same category. More in a moment. All right, folks, let's talk about dating fears. I asked some of the people, what are some of your biggest fears when it comes to dating? Responses were pretty interesting. I got everything from being made a fool of, being used, winding up with someone who's already committed in another relationship, having someone take advantage of me emotionally and the list goes on finding someone who has a situation that they didn't tell me about in the beginning 
These are all valid risk. Tangible risk. Because you're dealing with a total stranger when you meet them, of course. And as you get to know them a little bit better, some of those concerns are eased. However, there are some people who still continue on with those same concerns at the forefront six months into the relationship, a year in, year and a half, two years, some of them even go to engagement and marriage or even having children with that person and not really know enough about them in order to be comfortable in the decisions they make, but they go along with it thinking that I'll just go and make this decision to make it a little bit easier and in that way I can feel a little bit more secure. But here's the problem. You're still insecure in the decision you're making. You're just going forward and convincing yourself, gaslighting yourself to feel better about the decision you made. This is how a lot of you wind up in bad marriages and bad relationships right off the bat. So what you have to do is you have to really think about what's going to be the limitation. How long do you go with questions unanswered? How long do you go trying to find things out, especially if your partner is not really communicating effectively with you? You have to have some sort of turnoff because if you don't, you may wind up in a relationship and then years later, you find out some things that you really should have really checked out early on as opposed to just going with the flow. Oh, I don't want to talk about my past. I don't want to talk about my family. I don't want to talk about my childhood. I don't want to talk about my high school years. I don't want to talk about my friends. These are things you have to take notice of. Has this person voluntarily isolated themselves from other people? what you think about it for a moment. If they've isolated themselves, what do you think the requirement's going to be for that relationship? That the two of you become isolated. Does this person have a bad relationship with their parents? Is it volatile? Are they criticizing you about the relationship you have with your parents? Do they counter anything you say that's positive about the relationships you have with your friends and family? This could be a red flag. You never know. I dated a lady one time that had this kind of disposition. She didn't want to talk about her family, didn't want to talk about her friends. The only thing she wanted to do was focus on us. And I remember one evening, we were going, I think we drove up to Solvang. I think it was Solvang we drove up to. And on the way, we were talking, but she was just talking about music, Ronnie Laws, Deborah Laws, uh, people like Michael Henderson. We were talking about all kind of music throughout the 70s, 80s, because she was a 70s music buff. And as we were going, 
Her phone rang. She looked at the phone. She said, oh, it's my damn sister. I don't want to talk to her. I was like, okay, well, no problem. Keep it on going. Then her mother called. She didn't want to talk to her mom. Brother called. Didn't want to talk to him. Sister called again. Didn't want to talk to him. Didn't want to talk to her. We went up. I think it was Solvang where we were. And we spent the day up there just going around to some of the shops and everything and had a good time. But the conversation could only pertain to what we were doing. That was it. We were there having a good time. Then we got on the freeway to come back. Phone still blowing up the whole time. What had happened? Her brother got locked up. He got into a fight with somebody and he was in jail. And she was talking about how she hated her family. And she finally picked up on one of the calls. I think it was her sister calling again. I think it was her sister that called the second time, third time. And she found out that the brother was in jail. And she said, I hate my family. And then she, of course, grabbed my hand and said, well, I'm sure you hate your family too, because I'm sure this is the same thing that you have to go through with your family. And I said, no. She immediately unclasped her hand from mine and folded her arms and looked out the window. At that point, I realized how centric she was. If things did not pertain to what she felt like doing and her pattern of reasoning and thought, I was irrelevant. She remained quiet until I took her back to her apartment in Los Angeles. We got to her apartment. She looked at me and said, thank you for this evening. Got out of the car, closed the door. Walked to her apartment, just like I was nothing. Never heard from her again. But what I'm getting at, folks, if I would have tried to pursue her, I wouldn't have got nothing out of that. Nothing but a whole bunch of trouble. Nothing but a whole bunch of heartache. Nothing but a whole bunch of headaches. Because it wasn't the problem of what she had associated with her, the situation, as much as it was her behavior. She's going to shut down and not be communicative. There's no need to have a relationship. Even if what she was talking about when she was speaking with her sister about what was going on with her brother, she barely even said anything to her. She just listened, hung up. And the first thing she did after she hung up that phone, a smile came on her face and she's reaching for my hand. And when she made that comment, about me having the same situation she had, and I told her I didn't. From that point forward, she was silent, didn't have nothing else to do with me, and looked out the window the whole time. 
I didn't even follow up with a comment. I just drove her home. You run across people like that. And you don't really know how to handle it. So you do the best you can. Now, there are also people out there that you will run into who have no regards to another person's feelings when it comes to flooding you with love. Love bombing you. They're all over you. They're crazy about you. And in a way, you feel as though it's undeserving because these guys just started dating and everything is your name. Everything is you. She's kissing you. She's hugging you. She's all over you. And then after that evening, she's a total stranger. And that euphoria that she spilled out on you on that day has dried up. And she's no longer in that frame of mind anymore. And then you start pulling back emotionally because you don't know what you're dealing with there. And you're like, whoa, well, let me examine this. And what you find is that a lot of times these people are dealing with issues. And the relationship is used as a relief valve, an escape from their reality. Some people just go out on dates just to feel better about themselves, to stroke their self-esteem. It's not even about the partner they're with. It's about them and what they need. I remember one time I went out with this lady and she was literally trembling. And she was Caucasian. She had never gone out with a black man before. And she was clutching her purse. It was weird, like I was a mugger or something. And we had talked for like four weeks before we even got our first date. And I told her, I said, maybe you just need to relax. And she's like, well, I can't. I'm so nervous because uh, I've never been on a date like this before. And I told her, I said, a date with a black guy? She said, well, yeah, I'm kind of nervous. I said, don't be nervous. And I said, don't worry. I'm not going to try to get sex out of you or anything like that. Believe it or not, when I said that, she chuckled, and then she started to relax. When we got to... I think we ate at the Velvet Turtle in Fullerton. I think we went to Fullerton to eat lunch. And there she told me about all the dates she had gone on and every man she went on a date with felt as though, okay, I paid for your dinner or I paid for this, so therefore I'm expecting sex. And the poor woman had to run away from many of the guys, jump out of their cars and all kind of stuff. She was telling me about it, and I was like, my goodness. And once she started really feeling calm, no more trembling, no more nervousness, she was cackling and laughing. That laugh, um, yeah, that was a problem. 
if you've ever heard Daffy Duck, how he talked, that was the way she laughed. And it was weird. And we're in the restaurant and she started laughing and everybody in the restaurant started laughing because she was laughing. They were laughing at her laugh. And it was okay because she was expressing herself and it was fine. It was fine. After that, we went down to Balboa Island, went on the little um, the boat that carried us to Balboa Island, and we had a good day. At the end of the date, it was awesome. She was clinging on to me. We had a good time, and I walked her back to her, her apartment after I parked the car, and she said, you know, I don't want this date to end. She says, but my roommates are definitely going to try for you if I take you upstairs. She says, I promise to bring you up next time because they're wondering how everything went. So she gave me a kiss and she went upstairs. And I got home. She called me and all of her roommates, they were asking like a hundred questions. And it was fun. It was just a fun and vibrant call. And they're like, well, next weekend, you're definitely coming up here. We're going to have drinks, which we did. And we had a lot of fun. She had one roommate that imitated a sheep. She could literally sound like a sheep. It's really weird. And she says, you know, whenever I do that with a guy, I can never get a second date. And I mean, she really sounded like a sheep when she did that and scared the hell out of me because I thought one was in the room. But I told her, I said, well, just keep working on it. You'll find someone. And eventually they all did. What I did not know about this young lady that I was going out with at the time was that She moved to California from Kentucky and she had a very bad situation with the family going on there. The family was torn because of something that happened from what I understand. It was a relative that passed away and some family members got some money and got a house and some land or something and the other family members were left out And she moved to California to get away from that because she would have to choose sides. Well, her mother became ill and she had to go back home. And she never came back to California after that. She had to deal with the situation there. But we had a lot of fun. Still friend with her roommates to this day. Never found out what happened to her afterwards. They all lost communications over the years. But you'll run across situations like that. And it's a fearful situation when you're dealing with relationships because you don't know what you're getting into. So the one thing that I could tell you, if you find your partner nervous or awkward, try to calm them down. Let them know it's okay. That will cut the edge off a lot of things. More in just a moment.
absolute crap. What happened to real men? What happened to men who were the heads of the household? Hey cutie, I just wanted to answer your question for you since you don't seem to understand how history works. Okay, so what happened to these men was other men. All right, so the people who control everything, i.e., you know, the powers that be, the people who, you know, control the entire system, the world, they decided that in order for them to gain more profit off of each person, they needed dual income families. So they made women go to work. They tricked us into thinking suffrage was a good idea and we needed to like be equal, which we can never be. I mean, you know that lady, you, you're feeling it, right? So we can't be equal to a man because we're not a man, but yet we're supposed to work like a man and still take care of a house and still do this and still do that. And so yes, we have demasculated men, but it wasn't us that did it. It was men that did it because we never had any power. They gave it to us, and they gave it to us so they could take our fucking money. Yay! Now go to work, girlfriend. Hate it for you. I'm not going to stop calling you. I'm not going to stop calling you. You put your dick in my chest. You think I'm going to stop calling you? I'm not going to stop calling you. You crazy as hell. You might as well change your number tonight. There is a lot of truth in what this lady is saying. However, the conspiracy theory... Not so much. But the way things panned out, it looks like a conspiracy theory. You see, what did this was affirmative action in the 70s. It brought women into the workforce. Even though the jobs were not at the higher echelons of management and executive privilege, it was effective in the sense that it introduced women to the workforce into jobs where they could last a lot longer on those jobs that paid lower than their husbands or boyfriends, but where they would have more longevity on the job than a guy who's working on the factory floor. So he his back could go out in 20 years. She could still work for 30 or 40. That was the distinction. Now, as this occurred, we have to look at certain things that happened afterwards. You remember right to work, right? Well, in certain areas in the country, a man can still work and support his family without his wife working. However, two things occurred. You had right to work come in, and at the same time, you had a lot of people that were making money during the tech boom. Well, during the tech boom, you didn't hear so many people claiming worried about their rights because they were making pretty good money. The tech boom, basically, they needed people in every capacity, and you didn't really have to have the best skill sets initially starting out, as long as you had the certifications. And then, of course, things tightened up after the companies realized they had been duped. And then the right-to-work thing kicked in, and what did they have? They had states like California that lost jobs to places like Georgia, Alabama, and Mississippi because they had changed the rules. They had changed a lot of things. They had made it more lucrative for these companies to go into areas that really needed jobs and not pay the kind of wages they were paying in California, which meant that some people relocated with their jobs and they took a pay cut. They had gotten rid of unions under the Reagan administration for the most part. And so a lot of people were frustrated, mainly the angry white male. He didn't realize he was being screwed over. 
because he was doing well with the union jobs, but the corporations didn't like the fact that they had to take care of these employees until they died in some cases. And so they were able to get from under that burden and it left a white male not making the kind of money he used to. And of course, they used the blame game, affirmative action, welfare queens, and all the rest, even women. But that wasn't it. They were sold a bill of goods about being competitive with foreign competition. But in actuality, what these politicians wanted were the states to fight over each other about dropping the wage as low as they could in order to get more jobs in those communities. And it worked. And so, having another income in the house household used to be optional. And that was a necessity. And since then, through all the deficits that we've run, interest rates have risen. They dropped the interest rates during Obama for at least 12, 14 years. And then what happened? It rose a little bit and they had to drop it again. Now, what you have to remember is with that interest rate, that's a discount rate that the banks have to pay the Fed for money they borrow from them. So if the interest rate is at zero, the discount rate, that means that they only lower that rate to that level when the economy's in trouble. They raise it when the economy's doing well in order to not overheat it. And so what's happening now is this. As they want to get to a point of raising the interest rate, which shows improvement in the economy, people are making money, they could pay more, the banks could pay more for the money they borrow, they transfer that cost to you. So they may have an interest rate, we'll say a discount rate of 0%. That means they only have to pay the government back the amount of money they borrowed from them, where they could take that same money they got from the government and lend it out to you for mortgages and cars at an interest rate. So they're coming out. That's how they make their money. And as this happens, of course, it means that it's going to take two people in order to make things work in most communities, unless you have a very good, high-paying job. But what happens? A lot of people are not willing to go into debt for school. they got other issues. So what they'll do is just go and say, well, I'll just go grab a job at Walmart or Target. And what do they do? Look for somebody else who has a job that's comparable in order to try to make ends meet. And yet, these women are realizing that, hey, you know, no matter how good I am, I'm not getting to the good money that I need to. Some are, some aren't. And what you have to also remember is this. The women that are doing well who are not complaining about trying to climb up the corporate ladder because many of them now are CEOs, VPs, and all of this, and we only look at the symbolic side, such as the Fortune 500 companies that have female CEOs or black CEOs or whatever. Instead of looking at the incremental achievements women are making, and many of these women are not helping other women along the way, they're looking out for themselves. 
Now, here's the thing. On the male side, we had the good old boys network. Still have it in many aspects of our economy. And what this means primarily is these guys would help each other. And see, that's one of the factors that curse women to this day is the fact that many women don't have this. They don't establish that constituency. So it's not just men being men and men keeping women out of the boys club, so to speak. You have a lot of women that are not helping each other and keeping them out. You have African-Americans that do the same thing. I remember one time in particular, I took a contract with the company and there was only one African-American on staff. Everybody else, Caucasian and Asian. I would rarely go into an assignment where I would see a black person. I usually was only flying the buttermilk. And here's the thing. That African-American woman told me straight up. She says, nice to meet you. Follow the rules. I'm not going to do you any favors. You're on your own, just like I was. In other words, what she was telling me was not to fraternize with her. Because she didn't want me to fuck it up for her. And you find people like that. Especially when I was in the tech industry, that's what you did. And you went on with it. So you have that dynamic as well. See, it'll be easy for people to say, oh, it's a conspiracy. They do that when they don't quite understand the intricacies of it. But there are a lot of moving parts in this to get to where we are today. This didn't happen overnight through osmosis. It happened through the progression of things in our society, in our culture, in our business, in our economic world. And we got to remember one thing for sure. All of this globalization and multinationalism started with transnational corporations. Companies that wanted to go into other markets outside the U.S., have manufacturing, have products and everything imported and exported. That's how it all got started. It wasn't like these countries started this. No, it was the businesses and corporations within these countries that did that. And ever since then, American American government has been trying to make policies around this. You look at Bitcoin now. Bitcoin was initially set up in Australia decades ago, back in 2003. Even though there were rumors of it back in 1998. And now it's a phenomenon that's taken over the world. People are thinking it's the best thing since sliced bread. But you think back in the 80s, they thought Z-Best was the best thing since sliced bread. They thought a lot of these things. When Charles Keating was dealing that, doing that deal with real estate, they thought it was the best thing. See, what we're dealing with now is the actual negative side of some of the good intentions that we had in the beginning. Divorce rate is very high in the United States for a reason. The basis for it is financial. That's the leading cause. 
The leading cause in financial has to do with medical bills. And who initiates the divorce the most? Females, not males. And it's not to point the blame at a gender because we like doing that. And you have a lot of people now are coming in with the gender neutral argument. And this again is a band-aid over a larger problem. And the larger problem is culturally we have so many personal freedoms that they're actually working against us and working against our progress. A lot of people don't like hearing that. You look at what's going on with COVID, about the anti-vaxxers and the people that don't want to take the mask. And I'm not talking about the people who have a medical condition or who have religious convictions. I'm talking about the individuals that feel as though their freedoms are being taken away when they're not. So we have a mega mess on our hands. And countries like China that have more of a structured approach to things, even though it's really immoral some of the things they have as far as the way they treat their people the thing is at least it's organized and so they sit back and they scratch their head and they're like well what the hell now what does this mean overall when it comes down to the lady's question about what have happened to men a lot of these men now feel frightened and feel threatened that they don't have anyone to represent them anymore. They're afraid that women not only have the power, but at some point they feel as though women are going to have some kind of retribution towards men. Pretty much the same fear that they have that minorities are going to have a retribution towards whites if they become in power. And what they have to come to grips with is Nobody's in any position to kick anybody in the teeth. We're all held by the same rope. Whether we like it or not. We're in this together, no matter how we look at it. And nothing's going to change. So, when you start talking about having social problems with men and the way they are behaving and them not beating the old rugged macho type guys. For the most part, a lot of the women don't want those type of guys and that's the reason why you're having these young guys feminizing themselves in order to fit in. And they're doing it because, hell, many of them are just taking a cue from the broken home that they're in. A single mom is the example for those individuals to follow. And that's what many of them do because they don't have any other influencers that are positive. Because see, right now, you look at it, you turn your kid loose on the internet. What are they going to do? Go to TikTok or Snapchat and find them someone that will be an influencer. And that influencer is going to have a great impact on that person's development. And that's what you have to watch. Gone are the days that you could put a kid in front of the TV and turn on PBS and that's it. Now you have to watch to make sure they're not indoctrinated in some sort of belief or philosophy. 
for the sake of that individual that's trying to get more likes, that's trying to get more comments, that's trying to become internet famous. Because what you're looking at now is an explosion of people exploiting themselves and all of their dysfunctions and idiosyncrasies in order to become famous. And it's not about that, folks. It should be more about trying to educate and help people in order to try to, at some point, make sense of this mess we live in. All right, folks, let's talk about something that comes up rather frequently from women. Ladies, a lot of you are so concerned about your physical appearance, your body, the way you're shaped. Let me put it to you in context. If a man asks you out on a date, here's what I want you to do. Everything negative that was told to you by your girlfriends or any other person in the past, for that time that you're with that person on that date, from the minute that person asks you out until after the end of that date, everything that they've told you that was negative about yourself physically does not exist. Here's why I say this. No matter whether you're fat, whether you're got stretch marks on your leg, doesn't matter. Here's why. That person who asked you out, they chose you for a reason. And more than likely, being that they didn't see you physically on first meet, especially meet on, online, it's because they found something that was of interest to them in you. Now, here's another thing. Don't misrepresent yourself before you meet that person. Be yourself. Have You can have photos with filters on it, but make sure you have some without them so the person can see who you are. Because this will make all the difference in the world. And i tell you one thing, me personally. You know, some of you ladies have that filter that where you could put the cat face on or you could put the dog face on. I would never, ever, as soon as I saw that on your vein photo, I'm swiping left. Because it distorted your face too much. A lot of people don't tell you that. Now, another thing too. You got to be confident. You got to love yourself. See, if your partner sees that you love yourself, that makes them love you even more. But if loving yourself is in question, or you're constantly downplaying yourself, talking about yourself in a negative way, then he's going to feel as though, well, damn, if I try to be positive with her, I'm shooting myself in the foot. Because that would mean that how could I 
support her when she's down on herself in a negative way. That'd be counterproductive. Now, there's some guys that will take advantage of this, and this is where many of you ladies who have been judged based on your physical appearance, some of you will say, well, yeah, I'm not that attractive, I'm fat. And the guy will say, well, yeah, you are. And if you have low self-esteem, that will be reaffirming. And then he would still fall back on the fact, well, he still likes me. So that's all that matters. And once he gets away with it the first time, by tearing you down like that, he's going to do it consistently. Because then he's taking the power away from you as the woman that he chose to be on the date with. You allowed him to be on that date, remember? He asked you. But by giving him the power to tell you that you're undesirable in some kind of way, to break you down even lower, is a tactic that many guys will use on very attractive women. When they know that woman's out of her out of their league, they're going to come back with a backhanded compliment in order to lower their self-esteem. And that's what it's about. Now, another thing that I would tell ladies never to do with a guy, you know how some women like to interject uh, insults into a conversation in order to get a rise out of him? Be careful with that. Because... You don't know how good the guy is when it comes to jonesing or when it comes to clowning. Jonesing and clowning basically are like cracking jokes on each other. Because if a guy's real good at it, you can open up a can of worms. I remember one evening, I was out with a couple of friends of mine, and my girl showed up later. And This other friend of mine, he was waiting for his new girlfriend to show up. And of course, she comes to the table and she's trying to roast him. She's telling him about how his shoes didn't match his belt and all. And she was going on pretty good at first and people were chuckling. Oh boy, when he sat up and he started in on her, he literally had her crying at that chair, at at that table after he finished. And it was the wrong thing to do for both of them. He had to wind up apologizing and, oh my goodness, he was kissing her ass the whole night trying to make up. But she thought that was her way of fitting in. And you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that. Now, if it's a roasting session, that's different, but you don't have to do that. You really don't. You could just take it easy and be yourself. That's what it's about. Because, see, here's the thing. As long as you are confident in who you are, as long as you have a sense of self, personal identity as to who you are independently, you don't need to do all those antics. You don't have to go into emasculating a man or 
defacing him in order to make yourself feel like you're there or that you're recognized. You could be yourself and actually get more respect without having to do all those things. Now, another thing that comes up with this physical aspect. Ladies, if you're with a man on a date and his eyes are moving around at every piece of flesh that's coming that way, that right there gives you your answer about what you'll be dealing with in the relationship. He should be focused on you. Not looking around. It's okay to be modest. It's okay to say thank you when he compliments you and that kind of thing. Because here's the thing you have to remember. As a man, what we do is when we compliment you on something, we like it. A man who really is into you, ladies, you have no idea what's going through his mind. I'm telling you. Because I've been on dates with women, let me tell you. I remember one lady in particular, I went on a date with her. Very, very gorgeous, attractive. And <laughs> it was hilarious. She says, why are you looking at me that way? I said, oh, nothing. You're just very pretty. She's like, oh, thank you. She says, now, and she leaned into me. She said, really, I want you to tell me, what were you really thinking? I said, you don't want to know that because you probably wouldn't respect me the next day. Uh, I said, we'll just keep, she said, no. And then the whole night, she was like, you still haven't told me yet. I was like, nah, I'm going to be a gentleman. I better not tell you. She was like, well, look at me as your wife. Forget about being a gentleman. If we're together right now, you tell me. And I told her, I said, I'd like to pin your ass up against the wall where you're taller than me and impale your ass on my dick. <laughs> and it just came out just like that. And she, her eyes bucked and she said, that's very possible. And I was like, damn. And at that point, I realized we were more direct communicators. And then she told me what she would like to do to me, and it was like, man. And I realized I had gone all the way around Maine into Nebraska, all the way down to Texas to get to California. And the funny thing was, when at the end of the date, she cracked me up. She says, uh, well, it's our first date. I'm not inviting you up. She gave me a kiss, and she says, now, I want you to remember what you said about the wall thing. We're going to do that. And I'm going to keep my end of the bargain about what I said. And as sure as I'm on this podcast, she kept her very word, and I kept mine. And we had a good, wonderful relationship. Now, 
our breakup was really, really bad. Her ex came to town. And she had problems with him, to say the least. And he came over to her apartment. And he tried to take advantage of her. She pulled a gun on him, got him out of her apartment, called the cops. And what it did, it brought back a lot of bad vibes from when she was with him in the past. Something I didn't know about. X Factor, once again, didn't know about this. And so I came over, she asked me to come over. Came over that night, and we made love. And the next morning, she says, you know, I think we better slow things down a bit. And I said, I can understand you're talking about you want to slow things down probably because we're too sexual or whatever. She's like, no. She says, you know, the last time I really fell in love with a man, I acted a fool and really went overboard for him. Talking about her ex. And she says, I have to work on that because if I'm with you, I'm going to do the same thing. And I know this. And even though you're going to try to help me through it, I know it's going to happen. I thought it was a bullshit excuse from myself. But it wasn't. She checked herself into therapy the next week. And she wasn't dating anyone for at least two years. She'd call me, ask me how was I doing. We'd go out to have dinner and lunch and things like that. But she just did not want to get close. And the residue of that last relationship where she was with this guy for nine years, it got her when he came back into her life. And after that, I learned that just because something's good doesn't mean you're entitled to it. You have to enjoy it for the moment whenever it's available. And it's sad to say this, but we would like to have a permanent situation where we didn't have to worry about things like that. But her past caught up with her. And I felt like a jackass sitting there. Like, wow. We had this whirlwind romance and all of a sudden, bam, there we are. But I really thought that she was joking about that. And she wasn't. And the more I asked her about it, the more agitated she became. Because she wasn't joking about it. It was a serious issue. That really upset her. It's just strange. This is the type of minutia that's out there on the dating scene. You never know what's associated with that person. Situations. Something that you had nothing to do with that pops up at some point along the way. And in some ways, I blame myself. But by the same token, I had to respect her decision because, after all, it takes two people in the relationship, two people to work it. 
One a moment. We at Romantic Truth appreciate your listenership. Listeners, you're invited to stream and listen to Jawson's music on Apple Music, Amazon Music, Spotify, Audio Mac, or Deezer. Type in J-A-U-S-A-N in the search for artists to follow and like modern instrumental music from his discography. The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are those solely of the host and are not condoned or endorsed by Romantic Truth, Anchor or any of its affiliates. The advice given herein is the expressed opinion of the host and not to be used for legal, marital, or family, counseling, or for professional practice purposes. In the event for professional assistance, please contact the local licensed professional family counselor, marriage counselor or social services professional in your region. If you need someone to talk to in regards to help, you may contact the National Suicide Prevention Lifeline at 800-273-8255, available 24 hours. All correspondences read on the show have been pre-screened and pre-approved by the submitter to be aired on the show. Be advised that all of the background music of production not provided by Anchor is owned by James Adams and Jaws and One Music exclusively licensed for this Romantic Truth podcast under waiver. Please understand that there were no people or animals hurt in the segments of this show including plants. All sound effects were improvised in the studio setting with props. We are an equal opportunity employer with two Yorkie poodles and a rat terrier as the security detail. Please be advised that the content of this podcast is under copyright by Romantic Truth and James Adams.